Welcome to another episode of The Aspergers. <laughs> oh, Don't hit the mirror. Sorry, mirror. Um. Hello. Hello. What's going on with a you? Nothing. What's going on? Twitter woo. What? What? Twitter woo. Don't. What does that even mean? Doesn't mean anything. I just. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so it's the next week, the new episode, um, yes. although this week we have said what it's going to be, so yes. we've got to do it now. I uh, I said it, everybody on the Facebook page and group, well not everybody, but a few people have said they're looking forward to it, uh, so uh, no pressure, Scarlet. I feel all the pressure. Because I... I'm not 100% sure. Well, I do have coping mechanisms, but I'm not sure what they are. People always ask me all the time, what are my coping mechanisms? And I always used to just say, I haven't got any. Um, But I think that's because I'm not actually sure what they actually are or what they're classed as. So you, on the other hand, when we talked about this initially, said that you had loads of them. So that made me think that you know what they are, so I figure you can start this one. Oh, and no. And then once you start saying things that I recognise, I'm, I'm going to get involved. But uh, to start off with, what is a coping mechanism, Scarlett? Oh, I've already mentioned some of mine, I think. So, oh, well, yeah, well, what is a coping mechanism? Well, I think one of mine, for example, would be the having the mentality of will this matter in a week, will this matter in two weeks. Right, okay. So I think that in itself is a coping mechanism. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's me having said my... <laughs> that's it. You've got one. It's the one that initially came to me. But you can't think of any others. No, I'm, I'm sure there's like loads. Yeah, like you've got all your... Well, like, I've got the... I, don't, I didn't want to go into the stuff that I've already gone into with the... Uh, like, my... I can't remember what episode we talked about it, but my, like, routines and lighting incense and closing curtains and keeping lights dim and stuff. That's more, uh, like, to prevent meltdowns and that's more routine. Um, so I don't want to go too much into that because i think even though that is all a coping mechanism i've already mentioned it but yeah i would say for most uh people on the spectrum just structure and routine is a coping mechanism yeah well we've had people i mean i know that you've talked about it before in other episodes but there have been people that have asked what they are for them and they might not have heard the other ones so you i mean like you do everything throughout the day You've got to get up and go to the shops. Yeah. So how do you manage that? What's your coping mechanisms for going out in public? Let's start with that. Um, so going out in public. <clears throat> one of my coping mechanisms that I don't always need, but I need it when I'm feeling a bit worse. So say like, I, I don't know, say my routine's gone wrong in the morning or there's or it's a really busy place or something like that something that um is gonna throw me off and I'm not gonna be feeling a hundred percent um a big coping mechanism for me is to hide my face when I'm out so I spend a lot of time when I'm outdoors um with my hair down and sort of over my face a bit like so I look like cousin it from the Adams family yeah um so that's quite a big one for me I think and I don't really realize I'm doing it but I know that sometimes you recognize that I'm having a bad day when my hair is over my face yeah or we'll be talking and I'll notice that you're trying to point your head in the opposite direction to wherever I'm looking yeah Uh, you do that a lot yeah yeah and I think um I think that for me is a coping mechanism almost like I mean, partly because I have a bit of a weird thing about my face, but I think also some of it's like, if you can't see me, then I'm not really here. And obviously that makes no sense. And I don't really believe that, but I think I sort of try and trick myself into believing that. And that is like a coping mechanism for me, just believing that I'm almost invisible 
without actually believing it, just putting the thought in my head. I think that's a big thing that does help me. Because, um, yeah, there are days that I can go out with my hair, like, all completely off my face, tied up in a bun. Um, but that only happens if I'm everything else is going okay and I feel like I'm having an all right day. But, yeah, definitely on the days where I'm struggling more, uh, having my hair down as almost like a protective barrier from people helps. Um, and also definitely wearing headphones and listening to something as I go out in public is a big thing for me. Yeah, I think that's a common one, the headphones. Uh, I do that when I go everywhere. Um, pretty much apart from when I cycle. You do, but I don't when I cycle. Um, but yeah, anywhere else I go, headphones. I have always done it. Uh, it doesn't really matter what I'm listening to either. But I know that's common for pretty much everybody on the spectrum, I imagine, likes to use headphones when they're out in public just to block out the sounds of, I suppose, the world in general. Yeah. Um, you know, like, and it's not... I, th I think it's just literally people talking. Uh, I think that might be all I'm blocking out because I think of all the other sounds that happen. I don't think they're a problem. No. I think it's just the sounds of people uh, is what's blocked out. But that's mainly because, like, when I hear stuff, I tend to hear everything at the same time when I hear. I can't block out noise. Um, we mentioned it in a really earlier on episode of how it works. But, like, because I hear, I hear, like, all sounds pretty much at the same volume. So, like, if I'm in somewhere where loads of people are talking at the same time, it's like being able to hear, like, 10, 15 conversations all happening together. Yeah. Uh, and it's way too distracting and can become stressful. Uh, so I try not to do it. Um, I can do it for periods of time, say like if you go to a restaurant or something like that, I can stay in a public place and listen to what's happening, but it takes a lot of concentration. I always feel a little bit worn out when I uh, leave a place like that. So yeah, headphones, headphones as well. Yeah, yeah, that's actually uh, like same for me. I don't think I have it as bad as you, but definitely I hate being sat somewhere where it's busy, like really busy. So yeah, I'd say in that situation, I use headphones as a coping mechanism for sure. Yeah, um, um, I have, uh, like I've said before, I think the way I dress uh, is a coping mechanism yeah, for me. Yeah, I was going to say that. Uh, I think that's how I'm able to leave the house on any given point or thing. I couldn't go out in just anything. Uh, so if I do leave the house, I have to be a certain, look a certain way. Or dress a certain way. And I pick, like, what I'm going to wear before, like, a day before I'm going to wear it. Or if I'm just going to nip from here to, like, the shop that's just down the road, I have to wear in a certain thing. Sometimes I'll be sat at home in, like, comfy clothing uh, and think, oh, I just need to go and get, like, I don't know, something to from the shop. But then I can't just go nip out in the thing I'm wearing, like, just chuck a pair of shoes on a coat and go. I'll have to fully get changed before I leave. Uh, and decide before I leave what I'm going to get. So, like, usually if I know I'm going somewhere, I'll pick an outfit, like work or that kind of thing. Yeah. But say something just comes up where I think I've got something in my flat, go to get it and be like, oh, I don't have this and I need it. I'm going to have to go get it. It takes about 45 minutes for me to actually go get it because I'm planning I know. what to wear. It's like if I... Um, I know it's something I did recently. So sometimes, like, I like have my shoes on, I've got my stuff on, I've cycled home from work, Got my cycling stuff on, but I've realised I need to go to the shop. And then I just think, well, I'm not going to change into normal clothes to go to the shop. I'm just going to go in my cycling stuff. However, I've noticed that even though I drop my bike off, my bag off and everything here, I have to take my helmet with me. So people, wherever I am, know that the reason I'm wearing my cycling stuff is because my bike must be somewhere because obviously I'm carrying a helmet. So why would I be? Otherwise, I find my like clothing combination too bizarre and I get too uncomfortable and weirded out and couldn't go to the shop. So I've noticed that what I'll do is I'll come back to my flat, drop my bike off, drop my work bag off, pick up the bag I used to go shopping with, you know, the one with the face on it. Uh, but then attach my helmet to that bag. That's insane. And then leave with my helmet. So when I'm walking around the shop, it's like sort of dangling to the side of me. So people can see that I uh, must have cycled to get here, hence why I'm dressed in cycling clothing. Yeah, this is always bizarre to me because... Obviously, I will go out looking rough. Right. But I always feel... Well, not always, but there are times where we'll pop out to the shops. So I 
will stay in whatever comfy clothes I'm wearing because the shop is like a, it's like a, a minute walk from your flat. Yeah. So if we're popping out to the shops, I'll just stay in like my comfy clothes and whatever. Like if I'm in pajamas, I'm in pajamas. But you always get changed, so I always feel like the uh, the scruff out of the two of us. It's funny. Uh, yeah, I've just always done it. It's the same with work. Uh, I've said before, like, I have to be dressed a certain way. It's just to get me through the day. I mean, it means I have to buy a lot of clothes, which I do buy a lot of clothes. Yeah, you do. Uh, and new outfits and that kind of thing, because I have to... Like, and I always remember what I've wore. So there's this, like, particular jumper that I'll be wearing to work. And I've noticed that um, a friend of mine always seems to come and see me at work when I'm wearing this jumper. And it doesn't matter how big the gap is. Like, I could have washed it a couple of times. It could have been, like, I wear it. And then two weeks later on the same day, that person will come in again. And then two weeks later or like a few days later, I'm wearing it again. And they just keep coming in when I'm wearing it, which is really driving me mad. So now I've stopped wearing it in case they're going to come in and I can't have them see me in this same jumper again because they seem to catch me in it. Uh, And the last time they saw me in it, they made a joke about me wearing the same outfit. Is it the green one with the holes in? Yeah. Is it Emily? Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So I've stopped wearing it. Just in case they come in. Um, oh, no, I wore it last week and she messaged me. Um, <laughs> and I thought she was going to be like, oh, I'm going to come in and see you. But she didn't. But like, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. So like, <laughs> now I don't wear it in case she's going to come in. She can come in and see me not in, in it. And then you'll wear it And then I can again. start wearing it again. But I'm waiting for her to see me in a different outfit at work. So like, <laughs> until then, I can't, I can't wear it. Um... Yeah, and like, uh, yeah, clothes for me is a weird one, but it's all to do with my like wanting to blend in and appear NT. Yeah. For some reason, I've got it in my head that dressing a certain way makes me appear normal or neurotypical, mm. and I, um, I've done it, and I can't not do it now. But it, that is like has a big thing, and if I wear, say, if I pick an outfit for the day to go to work in, and then once I've got it on at work, I don't like it. And I think, oh, I shouldn't have picked this one today. Like how I am all day is weird. Uh, my behaviours and like my routines and like uh, everything I do, um, like is off. Is like is off. Yeah. Whereas if my outfit is how I wanted it to be, and I look how I thought I would look for that day, like I get so much work done like throughout the day. Um, it's yeah, it's odd. That is strange. Um, but it's always just been a a thing. I say it's strange. I think that makes sense. Um, Yeah, I don't know why. I just feel like I need to, like, stand out in some way to everybody else. Um, But I'm not sure why. I must do it because if I stand out, I think I worry about, like, attracting attention to myself because I'm on the spectrum. Yeah. Um, And I would worry that people will get distracted by, like, weird behaviours or, like, when I make random noises or that kind of thing. Uh, So I figure if my outfit looks different to everybody else's or if I look, like in a way where people go, oh, like, nice top or nice whatever. I feel like it distracts from my autism. Uh, and I suppose that's, I mean, it's the same reason I try and appear neurotypical is because for some reason I don't want my autism to be obvious. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's a coping mechanism in the sense of I use the way I dress and look to uh, hide my autism a little bit. And I think that's why my outfit has to be a certain way. Because yeah. I think, like, neurotypical people, not all of them, but I think they have, like, uh, you know, like how people with disabilities, they always think they can see people a certain way or, you know, they can tell who, you, you know, they, or you don't look autistic, you know, when you hear yeah. that. Um, that makes me think that there's a way to look that says you're autistic, you know. Yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah. Which, to be fair, I, I've never been able to spot someone that's autistic based on the way they look without ever talking no. to them. But like, I think I've just heard that phrase too much when people say you don't look autistic that I've just gone, there's a way to look autistic. And then I think I'm trying to also (laughs) move away from that Uh, because for some reason I don't want to be seen as obviously autistic. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know where that's come from um, because I don't feel like it's that bad when I think about it. But like with anybody on the spectrum, once you've got an idea in your head or you believe something to be a certain way, you think that... Um, that's how it is. Even yeah. when you like, then start thinking about it and you take it apart and you think, actually, no, that's not how it is. 
Uh, you think there's all this evidence here that says that's not how it is, but then your brain just goes, but it is like that. And you're like, all oh, right, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think with the clothing, I think I use clothing as a coping mechanism as well. Um, like for work, because work's the place that is the most stressful, I suppose, for me. So for work, I always dress the same. Um my clothing at work i always wear leggings because they're comfy and they don't have any labels um like obviously i mean at work we kind of sometimes we have to bend down or there's movement in your legs so i wear leggings because they're comfy but also there's no labels in them um and they're not like tight around like your waist or anything like that so i like them for that reason i always have to wear socks that are i guess colorful or socks that have a pattern on them and I wear the socks over my leggings I always look a little bit weird at work I think I think my look at work is kind of odd Uh, I don't know I the sock thing I never noticed but I don't know if that's just because um I don't notice anything weird about people when I meet them um until somebody else goes isn't it odd that they do that and then I start thinking Ooh, why is that odd? Is that not normal? And then whatever. So with you and your socks, I didn't notice that you pull your socks up over your leggings and keep like your keys and your phone in your socks <laughs> as opposed to pockets until somebody else pointed it out. And I know I'd seen you do it several times, but like one of my, I suppose, traits is I don't notice something's weird or off until or wrong until someone points yeah. it out. So like there's been times like uh, when I've been in like accidents or really like mental stuff has happened uh, where I haven't thought anything of it because no one's pointed out that that was weird. So I can, I mean, that's one of the, like the, I suppose, things about me. I mean, it's a bit off point, but I can literally, like you could have like something explode near me. Like I could be walking down the road and like a car. So for example, so I was driving down the road once and there was a car on fire, like on fire, like big flames coming out of it. Like you could barely tell it was a car. The fire that was coming out of it was crazy. And everybody else was like, so it was on like a single carriage road. Yeah. And everybody was waiting and no one wanted to go round it because obviously they thought it was going to explode or something. But I was driving on my own. So there was nobody next to me saying you need to wait with everybody else. So I just went past everyone and got like, I would say about 30 centimetres, 40 centimetres away from the fiery car and just drove past it like it was a car that was just parked in the road. Nothing like weird about it. I just drove around this like ball of flame. Um, it wasn't until I explained to somebody else when I was like, sorry, I'm late, but there was a car on fire in the road. Like, and I explained the situation. They went, why did you drive past it? It could have blown up and like killed you. And I was just like, oh, I wonder why everybody was waiting. And then I realized what I'd done. Um, so yeah, as much as that's like an extreme one, same with you and your socks over your trousers. No one, I didn't realize it was weird that you did it until somebody went, isn't it weird that Scarlett has her socks like that? And then I was just like... Then I started looking at everybody else's ankles and thinking, oh, yeah, nobody else has their socks like that. <laughs> that is different, yeah. Yeah, um, my socks are around my ankles, so I partly do it because leggings have no pockets um, and I always need stuff on me at work. Like, I need my store keys so I can get in the safe and lock the store. I need my phone in case someone calls in sick. So I just keep everything in my socks because I have no pockets. Um and also, I don't know, it's a weird, like, comfort thing of... I don't know why, but it's it's a weird one for me. Like, I have a thing about socks. I really like uh, different socks. Yeah, would you say that... Because I was going to ask anyway. We both have jobs. Yeah. Um, it is hard for a lot of people on the spectrum to get a job or keep a job. Uh, I know, like, I've lost a lot of jobs. Uh, so, like, that kind of thing. But would you say that... Because using coping mechanisms, especially in somewhere, because we both work in a shop. Yeah. Um, do you have any like coping mechanisms to get you through the day at work? Um, I would say is the sock thing one of them. Yeah. Um, as much as we're talking about just clothes, uh, clothes are a big one. I mean, like I've mentioned before, like a lot of people on the spectrum don't like tags in clothes. Yeah. So they cut tags out of yeah. all their clothes when they get their clothes. And that's a coping mechanism because they're aware of the fact that if there's a tag rubbing against them all day, that's all that they're going to think about is this tag. Yeah. And it does it does happen. If you've got a tag like in there, it does just rub 
against your skin to the point where you can't hear or pay attention to anything yeah. other than this tag that's on you. Yes, um, yes. So I know a lot of people, like as a coping mechanism, just chop tags out of their clothes the second they buy clothes. Even before they've even you know they've tried it on and they're not sure if this is one of those because not all tags do it but they don't even want to take the chance so they just yeah. chop it out before they even uh, start their day. Yeah. So, but like what? Because I was thinking I have loads. I, people always say like that they can't work in retail or how do you work in retail? Um, like neurotypical people. There's a lot yeah. of people that don't want to work in a shop. Um, but I've realised that like now that we've started talking, like my coping mechanisms for work are quite. I suppose there's quite a few of them. Um, yeah. I've noticed that the only reason I can do my job is because I it's the same place. So we've got the routine yeah. of I work. I've worked in the same store now for four years. I think yeah. it was four years last month. Um, and the reason I can is because the place I know. I know the layout of the store. I know what it looks like. I've been there like five days a week for four years. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's. I know it as well as I know like where I live. Um, so there's that aspect of it um yeah. it reminded me of like coping mechanisms that people have you know like if they're going to go visit somewhere they've never been before um so like doctor's appointment or something like that is some people on the spectrum and i've done it before was i will go to it before i have to go to it so i'll go find where it is first yes go have a look and then um you know i know where it is i don't have to worry about like what it's going to look like, what the building's going to look like, yeah. and that kind of thing. And with things like Google Maps and the internet, you can also now look inside places. So <laughs> if I'm not ready to go in there yet because it's not time to go in, I can look on Google or that kind of thing and see what's inside there. Uh, and then I know what it's like in there. And then, like, because I need to picture where I'm going to sit, what I'm going to do, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's the same with... Uh, it's the same with if I go somewhere, like when I was at uni and that kind of thing, I used to sit in the same seat. Yeah. Like all the time. Yeah. Uh, and I realised that that in itself is a coping mechanism. So when I went to uni, college or anywhere like that, if I go somewhere regular that's got seats, I have to sit in the same seat or in the same, like, do you know what I mean? Every time. Yeah. Um, if I don't, then Crazy. I can't. I can't focus. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's the, like, most people on the spectrum build routines in everything. Um, and this is how I'm able to go to work is I understand how the store looks. Uh, the reason I'm able to talk to people in work, so strangers, is because they've come into a place that I am familiar with. Yeah. Um, and they, they're only going to talk to you about certain things. So like the conversations I have with members of the public are routine conversations. They're always the same stuff. They're either buying something, selling something, or they want to talk about something that's to do with the store. So I yeah. just have like set conversations. I have set things I'm going to say based on things they're going to say. And I've been there so long now. I, I know pretty much every conversation I've ever had with everybody now is the same conversation I've had with somebody else. I don't think in the last like two, three years, I've had a unique conversation with a member of the public. Like even the people that are complaining or like getting angry, they're getting angry and complaining about things that other people have got yeah. angry and complained about. So I only talk about set stuff and that's why it looks like I'm able to have these conversations with people because the interactions I'm having with the public are normal. Yeah. So like it's it's a case of inside this building... I understand this building, like, and the things that people come in and talk about are the same things. But if you took me out of the shop and tried to make me have a conversation with a stranger, I just wouldn't be able to do it. It wouldn't happen. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, if I'm in a shop and can't find something, I can't go up to a sales assistant and ask them yeah. where something is. But, like, in my shop, if somebody comes in and asks me or that kind of thing, I can just talk to them and that kind of, like... So, so I've realised that, like, I need, like, the the routine or the... I suppose, structure of understanding. And that's how I'm able to do my job. But I literally, if somebody told me to go and have the same conversation that I've just had with somebody, but take me out of the building, um, I wouldn't cope. Yeah. And say I was inside work, but then someone started a conversation with me that I've never had inside that building, I wouldn't be able to talk to them. Yeah. Because I wouldn't understand what's happening. And like, there are two like weird coping mechanisms I use of, I can only talk to strangers inside this building. I can't do it anywhere else. And it can only be set conversations with stuff that I know how to respond to it or how to talk to it. But like, they're like two things that means that I can cope with the job. But yeah. I couldn't do either thing if it was 
like either one of those two things had changed you know yeah yeah I feel like that I think um I think at work a big coping mechanism for me is planning my day and planning what's going on and I don't spend a lot of time talking to people at work so um I'll talk to you if you're in um but I don't really have like friends at work I don't spend too much time talking I can do and definitely if people start conversations with me like I can talk but only really certain people as well um like I have to be quite comfortable with someone in order to have a conversation with them so new people for example when they start a conversation with me um I don't really respond um I'm really bad with people that are new or people that aren't in work very often so we've got some people that only do like one day a week because I don't see them enough I can't have a conversation with them really so when they talk to me it tends to be a lot of me just sort of trying to wriggle out the conversation um and I think that is a coping mechanism for me because if someone that hasn't worked there very long so I don't know them or doesn't work enough for me to know them if they start a conversation I don't really know what they're like I don't know I don't know how to be because like I could say something and they won't get it or I I don't know there's something about it so for me like a good coping mechanism is only talking to people who I've got to know um because then I sort of know how the conversation's going to go um but equally I don't care if we've already had the exact same conversation like the day before I'll just do that because I don't really I don't know how to describe it it's kind of like I don't really care or I don't really enjoy the conversations but I'm happy to go through the motions of them so if we've already had that exact same conversation I'll just have it again and it won't bother me it would only be if they were like we've already spoken about this that I'd have to go oh right yeah what do you want to talk about then um like I don't think I am that bothered I could probably easily do the day without talking to anyone yeah I mean I'm the same um like when I get to work or anywhere I'll never start talking first uh so I've noticed that say um I go to work and I'm the one opening up um if none of the other people that I'm working with talk to me I don't talk and I can go like the first hour without saying anything um and that's just because I don't there's not a natural thing in me to start talking um it just it only happens when other people start talking to me yeah um but yeah if nobody talked to me all day I wouldn't talk back if I just say saw people all day but none of them started a conversation I wouldn't notice that I haven't spoken like at all yeah um and it's just because I it's not a natural thing for me to to do uh to start talking to people Um, yeah I just don't do it I only really respond to stuff uh but I don't ever then do stuff unless I have to ask a question Um, yeah or if I'm trying to find something and can't find it, then I'll have to ask him. So I think, like, for me, the keeping my head down and not talking to new people is something that is actually a coping mechanism. Because I think, like, say I spent all day trying to socialise with people, that would be a struggle for me. So if I keep that to a minimum... Why don't you talk to new people? Because uh, I don't know them. Okay, but what? why don't you talk to them then? I don't know. I've never been able to do it. I've always hated it. And when new people, like, for example, we've got a new guy that's just started. Yeah. And he's quite um, talkative, not like chatty and disruptive. He's just new and I guess wants to fit in. So he's trying to talk. He was trying to have a lot of conversations with me, even though they were about work. Yeah. It, I was finding it really irritating because I just wanted to sort of turn around and be like, can you just stop talking to me? Yeah. Um, but... Obviously, I didn't do that because that was rude. And I didn't... I wasn't angry at him. I was just angry at the fact it was happening because I just thought, no, no, <laughs> I don't like this. Like, I I will talk to you once I have got used to your presence. So once you've been, I don't know, like a, in a month's time when 
I'm used to you being there, that's when I can start talking. But at the moment, I'm already freaked out enough just by you being here mm. when that's not normal. I can't then also hold a conversation. I don't know. I've just always been like that. I really, really, really struggle. But So, like, I'm more on edge at the moment than I have been because we've got four... Uh, new people in the store so at work I'm a lot more on edge at the moment than I was like before hiring new people just because it throws me so every time there's someone behind the counter that I'm not used to being there I'm really thrown off and it does sort of put me off and I do find it hard to go about my usual jobs yeah because I like this person is unknown to me I don't know how they behave I don't know what they're good at, what they're bad at. I don't know what jobs to put them on. I don't know where to train them and things like that. And it, it just is all, it's all a struggle for me. So a coping mechanism for me would probably be to sort of not then have a conversation with them on top of all those other things. Yeah. Um, so like with coping mechanisms, um, are there ones that you've worked out and taught yourself or do you think they come like naturally you just sort of do them without realizing you're doing them because i've mentioned before that i see everybody the same so everybody to me has the same face yeah not that everybody to me has the same one face but i would say there's about i don't know how many let's say i could never i could never count with them but let's say there's about 15 different faces to me and everybody has one of these 15 faces no matter mm-hmm. who they are everybody looks like somebody i already know or somebody i've already met um, and I apply the way I talk and uh, the way I treat them based on uh, normal like ways of seeing them. You know, so if I've spoken to them before or recognize that face, I recognize how I'm going to talk to them. So I do that. And I didn't realize I did that until my therapist that I had told me that that's what I did. And that's how I was able to chat to everyone. Yeah. But I wasn't sure like how it would work. So... Um, I've always just invented that and how it works is everybody that I see has a face I've already seen um, and that helps me interact with them but only if they interact with me so I see somebody that looks like somebody that I kind of know or somebody I already spoke to and I think this person has a arrogant personality or this body is someone I don't get along with because they're rude Yeah, I start the conversation by being like on guard that they might be rude or aggressive because I expect that from them. Yeah. Or it's a face that I think is friendly. And I've said before, if they're not friendly, I still am friendly to them because they have the face that is the friendly face. Yeah. Um, And I've done that forever. I've done that since like I can remember. Um, And I know that's a big coping mechanism for me. It makes me able to interact with anyone. Um, I can't interact with people unless I already have a set this is how they're going to be. And it can be someone I've never met before. I'll just meet them, see their face, go, oh, it's this face. This is what kind of personality they have. And then I change how I'm going to talk to them based on what face they've got. And I've always done it. And it's the only way that I can talk to people. Like say in the, it's never happened, but say somebody came up with a face I don't recognize, I literally would not be able to talk to them whatsoever. But everybody has like a set face and they also have a set way of dressing. So I apply both to that, you know, so I see the face, I see the way they dress and then I change what I'm about to say to them or how they're going to talk to me or whatever based on that. And that's like a big one for me because that's how I am able to talk to anyone. If you ever see me talking to somebody, it means in my head I have um, worked out what kind of person they're going to, they are before I've actually spoke to them or know their name or have heard them speak. I've already decided who they are what their like history is, what their life is, and how I'm going to talk to them. Um, and it's the same with all the new guys at work. All the new guys we've ordered, uh, ordered <laughs> we've hired, they yeah. all look like somebody else that I know or have spoken to. And I don't mean like no personally. Yeah. I don't mean like this looks like my friend Kevin. So yeah. So I'm going to treat him like I treat Kevin. Um, it's more that I've come into this particular combination of face before yeah and this is what this kind of person's like so this is what i'm going to do so with all the new guys they all fit one of the groups of faces um and that is how i talk to them and you probably notice that when i talk to people i don't know i talk to them like i've known them for a while 
Yeah. Um, and I've always done it. Like, if you've ever seen me talk to complete strangers, I talk to them like I know this person. And I get it all the time. Like, do you know him? And I'm like, no, I don't. But that's how I interact with everyone. And it's a big it's a big one for me, especially with, like, work and that kind of thing. Because obviously with customers, they're all going to say the same thing. They all want the same thing or they're all going to talk about something I've talking about. But, like, with staff, like, when there's nobody there customer-wise, God knows what the conversation's going to be. Or what we're going to talk about because you're yeah. not talking to people that are in the same structure of customer sales assistant like dynamic. It's yeah. a different one, but because I've applied the face rule, that's how I treat them. And you probably notice that I treat all sales assistants differently, but it's all different depending on what their face looked like when I first started talking to them. Yeah, but it also means that like some people I just don't like no matter what. So. Um, some people just have the combination that I don't get along with, so I won't get along with them. And it won't matter what they say or do. They've mm. just got that combination that means I don't like them. Um, and even if they're nice and even if they do stuff and I try and tell myself, this person's a nice person, why do I still not like them? It doesn't matter. I'm still like, no, I don't like you because they have one of the bad ones. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, that's literally how I am able to talk to anyone. Yeah. Um, the only time that's wrong is obviously with like social media and Facebook and that kind of thing. Um, I can't judge it if they don't have a profile picture. If their profile picture is of like a cat or like a sunset <laughs> or like something like that, like I have to like be like, whoa, like what am I going <laughs> to what am I going to do here? So I tend to just mimic the message that they've sent or the conversation or the comment they've made. I just tend to copy it based on what I think they mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes sense. I think um, I think with coping mechanisms, a lot of it is to do with, uh, I guess a lot of it's kind of sensory as well, I think. A lot of it, because we're generally people on the spectrum are so sensitive to the different senses, I think a lot of coping mechanisms are to do with managing sensory overload so when we say we put headphones in that's to manage the sound Mm -hmm. um sunglasses are also one that i find helpful um or yellow glasses like seeing things through a yellow tint is really nice and i think that is to do with sensory overload to preventing like too much light or brightness like obviously supermarkets are really bright um a lot of shops use fluorescent lighting that's quite harsh so i'd say a coping mechanism is definitely wearing sunglasses um for me i find that really helpful um and then also for me because i have a weird like a strong affinity i guess for touch or anything touch related i definitely will wear clothes that are what I consider really soft. Um, if I'm gonna be stressed, I do that. So say I know that I'm doing, uh, if I know I'm doing a long journey or I know I've got a, cause to get home for me to get to where my parents live, I have to get uh, a train through London, but I have to cross over in London. If I am doing something like that, I find London really stressful because there's so many people and it's so noisy and I get worried that I'll miss my, like my train and all like I just get stressed um having something soft to stroke is a big thing for me so I'll wear clothes that feel nice against my skin and I might bring in my bag a soft piece of material like I've got one top that I keep in bed with me but I never wear it I just stroke it uh because it's a really nice material I think that is also a big one. Uh, I'm trying to think of others. So taste and smell are the other ones. Um, I don't do it very often, but there have been times where I've taken something that smells nice um, with me to yeah. places. I'd like maybe sprayed it on my wrist or put some oil, like essential oil on my wrist so that I can sniff it if I need to. Um, obviously, I've talked before about lighting incense in my flat, um, as a kind of way to calm down after a stressful day. Um, that's a big thing that I like to do. And then taste-wise, I guess you don't... Because you don't really get sensory overload from taste when you're like out in public. 
But I, I definitely find that a big coping mechanism for me that I use, especially at work or at times that I guess at times where I'm out and it, I'm finding it stressful, even when I'm in my flat and I'm stressed, actually, um, chewing gum is a really big thing for me, especially at work. I really struggle to get through the day of work without the gum. But I don't think that's to do with taste. I think that's to do with the, the rhythm of chewing. Um, I find it calming. I guess I find it distracting. Um and it helps me focus on what I'm doing if I'm chewing. So I I have chewing gum at work all the time. And if there's no gum around, I get really on edge and I'll spend the whole like say I'm doing nine till six at work, I will spend the whole time up until my lunch break thinking about how I need to go and get chewing gum on my lunch break and I won't get much work done, but then I'll come back to work, I'll have the chewing gum, and I'll get loads of work done. Um, I, I, I think this is quite a common thing, because when I've looked on uh, the websites that have sensory toys and things for people on the spectrum, I've seen a lot of chew toys, and <laughs> that sounds like a, I know what you mean. a dog toy, but like a necklace that you can sort of chew on. Um, I would get that, except I think that I would be worried that people would be looking at me like, why she got her necklace in her mouth? Take it out of your mouth. Whereas obviously gum, that's seen as more, I guess, normal uh, or less of a curious thing to do. But yeah, I definitely find chewing gum is a big coping mechanism for me. Um, and the more the more calm I am so the easier the better day I'm having the less gum I'll chew but the more stressful the day is I can get through so much chewing gum and if things are really bad I'll just be putting pieces and pieces in my mouth I have like three bits of gum going at once um which I would definitely say is part of a coping mechanism for me yeah yeah I've seen you do that um yeah I've seen you do that quite a bit uh, the gum thing. I never really did gum uh, until we started talking, and then I noticed that you have a big thing for it. But I just thought you just liked gum. I thought you were big into like dental hygiene or something. I didn't really uh, see it as a as a thing. Well, I didn't really know that I was doing it as a coping mechanism because obviously I've been doing. Well, I've had chewing gum as my big thing for ages probably since i was maybe 15 or so and um i hadn't even considered being on the spectrum up until last year so i never thought about it before as being something that i used to cope with situations i just assumed i really liked chewing gum i think it was only after looking at these toys and um because i i when the therapist first told me that she thought I was on the spectrum I started looking more into it and then I started looking on these websites for toys that were um good for people on the spectrum and not just toys but uh different items I suppose that help you to deal with things or that you might enjoy and yeah it was when I started seeing these two things that I thought oh that sounds quite nice and then I I think I was in my old flat at the time and I looked around my flat and I just saw like packets and packets because my old flat was quite messy which is weird because now I'm really quite tidy but yeah there was just packets and packets of empty chewing gum wrappers everywhere and I think that was when I thought oh maybe I use that as a, a a coping thing and I think I started trying to wean myself off it but I notice that I'm fine without it up until the point where I start getting a little bit stressed out or something's happening that I'm uncomfortable with and then I I almost need it that will help me um so I would say that's definitely one for me that I hadn't really thought about up until reading the the sensory toy websites yeah um, I have one for uh, computer games, I guess, as a coping mechanism. Yeah. Uh, I use them as a way of, if I've had a stressful day or quite a heavy day, I will... And it has to be like certain stuff, so games that are like big open world games where it's kind of like a different... Where it is like a different world. It's not a set thing, so it's not like a set 
this is what you've got to do. You've got to go here. You've got to go there. Like it's not levels or anything like that. But the big open games where you just do what you want and you just wander about doing new things. I've noticed that like those particular games and a thing. If I'm having a stressful day, I can do like two, three hours of that, uh, and that will distract me. Yeah. Um, or make me stop thinking about and ruminating about the thing that I'm ruminating about from the day that's happened that I can't. Like if I've just done something weird or said something odd or something stressful is coming up. I think about it constantly Uh, and I know that if I just keep thinking about it I'm just gonna not be able to go to sleep and it'll just be one of those things that I'm always thinking about and no sort of like music or telly so like with telly like it works to a point but you end up watching stuff that if somebody in it mentions something that's related or slightly related to the thing that you're thinking about you end up just going, oh, yeah, that's that. I'm thinking about that again. Whereas if you pick something like a game where it's so, like, weird and, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's in a completely different, like, world or yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, fantasy, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the things that you're stressing about are not going to come up in... So, like, I've got, like, a possible job interview coming up. Um, and when I think about it and, like, that kind of thing, sometimes what am I going to say? What's he going to ask? Like, this kind of thing. If I watch, like... TV and I see like people in jobs I just think oh he had an interview or like somebody has been promoted I'm like oh they've been promoted and then I'm just like oh this isn't like that's what what I'm going to do what if they do that kind of thing Um, whereas like if you play a computer game there's no point in that computer game you're going for a job interview you know because it's not the kind of games I play Uh, so I've noticed that that's a good way to break down like any sort of rumination I'm doing because like with books I can't do music it's similar you can still think while music's on yeah that music makes you think i think so that's not really any help but with games you kind of have to really focus on what you're doing um so i use that i suppose as a coping mechanism if i've had a bad day at work because obviously you can't really do it while you're there yeah Uh, so sometimes i just want to go home and like the first thing i do when i get in is play play something yeah um just to like de-stress I guess Uh, and I've always used that as a way of doing it it's still something I do now I've always done it for a long time but I've never really like grown out of it or that kind of thing Uh, yeah I'm still big on it now definitely yeah I think um yeah I can't really do tv or films for coping in fact I think I can only watch tv or watch a film a film especially i find it really difficult to watch films i think i can only watch them if i'm feeling good i think if i'm feeling stressed tv is not something that helps me at all i think it definitely actually makes me worse um trying to come up with the decision of what to watch i find difficult um and often i don't enjoy it when i'm watching it because i'm too distracted i think for me um I really like learning things which not in like an intelligent way because it's not always intelligent things I just like I find it distracting if I'm trying to memorize something so I really like uh, any weird memory games I play with myself or um, like learning new things or reading up on like I know animals stuff like that is a probably a coping mechanism like recently I decided I wanted to learn how to do a Rubik's Cube, Mm -hmm. bought the Rubik's Cube, and then spent one of my days off, I just spent all day doing the Rubik's Cube until I was so comfortable that I knew how to complete it without any issues. But it was... It was great because it took up it took up my whole day. I didn't think about anything other than this Rubik's Cube. But also, like, I was really locked on. Like, at one point, I took a bath and I took my Rubik's Cube with me into the bath so that I was still doing it in the bath. Um, I think... But I really enjoy it and I find it really helpful. And if I am feeling... Um, like, if I am starting to have obsessive thoughts or I'm ruminating too much on something... I feel like that just almost blocks out any other thoughts from my head because I'm just focused on this one thing. That's like the complete opposite to me. I don't like learning new things. New things <laughs> new things for me, I don't want to do. Um, I like the things I'm good at. Yeah. Um, but I don't like learning anything new. And like if anything changes or 
if anybody goes, you've got to learn how to do this. You probably noticed it at work and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you're terrible for learning. I just don't want to learn anything new. I like what I know, but I don't want to know more than I need to. Um, and yeah, like you in the Rubik's Cube, you bought it, you figured out how to solve it, and I've watched you do it. But like, I've tried Rubik's Cubes like several times, and not being able to do something... I think for me it has like a negative like connotation because I remember there's things I can't do because of like my autism. So I think when I go to learn something and can't pick it up straight away, I just get like, oh yeah, this is like everything else that like everyone else can just do and I can't do it. So like I don't like to know new things. I think one of my coping mechanisms is to not is to purposely not learn new stuff yeah. um, unless I have to. Unless I've got like an interest in it. Um, but they have to come naturally. I don't one day just think, oh, I want to know everything about this to so start learning like you do. <laughs> what happens is, like, it's almost subliminal. Like, things yeah. have, I've picked up on stuff throughout, like, a few weeks or that kind of thing. I haven't realised that I've learnt things without realising they've just gone yeah. in. I've just seen it happen. And then when it comes to me going, OK, I want to know more about this, I do. But not because, like, it's fresh. I just think, well, I've secretly, like, without realising it, learnt, like, 60% of it already. So then I just think, fine, I'll, I'll figure out the rest now. But um, like, it's one of my coping mechanisms is to not do new stuff. Yeah. I stick to the same things. Like what I do throughout the week is uh, the same thing. I do the same stuff. So the things I do at home are the same things I do all the time. On my days off, I do the same things yeah. as I would do every time I have a day off. Um, when I get home from work, if it's if I'm doing a late shift, the things I do ho- get when I get home are the same for if I'm doing a short shift. So like, and I only go to places I've already been to. Um, and that's how I, that's one of my coping mechanisms is just to keep everything the same. Um, yeah. I don't change anything really. Like everything I do when I get home and how everything looks is a certain way. I don't like to move stuff around or mix things up because that's too stressful. And learning new things um i really don't want to so like if it's the same with like at work even if i'm told you have to know what this is this is important that you understand how to do this i just start thinking is it though even if like the person that's telling me like is my boss and says you have to know this this is important if they just sort of go you have to know this this is important and haven't gone into any sort of detail as to why I don't just think, well, you're my boss. If you're saying that, I've got to do that. I just, in my head, go, no, I'm not going to. And yeah. you can't make me. Um, and yeah, I, that, I found that like doing what I know and know well. So the things that I fully understand and the things that I get are the only things I'll do. You can only get me to do things that I know what they are. Yeah. Um, if you try and get me to do something that I don't know what it is, but you just think, well, if he tries it, he'll know what it is and he can do it. Like, I'll just fight it and be like, yeah, no, I know that about you. I'm not I'm not doing it. Um, and that's like one of my big coping mechanisms is to just to not learn is to well, yeah. well, to not learn if you don't want to. Yeah, it's yeah. to not try anything new. Yeah, um, because if I try anything new and don't get it immediately, um, I straight away thought, I can't do this. And then, yeah, it moves into, I can't do this because I'm autistic. And this is what makes me different to the NT world. And obviously, because I still like like to appear NT, uh, it may, I worry that I'm then like becoming obvious, you know. Um, you know, like I'm like standing out and all of a sudden everybody can see that I'm autistic. So I... Uh, I don't do new stuff for that reason. Yeah. Um, because it will make me appear different if I can't pick it up. You know, like if everybody's learning the same thing at the same time and everybody's getting it. And in my head, I'm like, I have no idea what this is. Um, and it could just be that I wasn't paying attention because I have problems paying attention for long periods of time. And that's why I'm not picking it up. Um, and everybody else is getting it. It's worse if you get it. So like, say we're both learning the same thing and you just pick it up and I don't understand what's going on still. I then start thinking, how the hell does Scarlett know what this is? Like, why has she just picked this up straight away? And yeah. I still don't know what it is. Um, so I found that like, I don't learn new stuff unless I really have to. Um, and if I'm forced to, I better pick it up straight away because if I don't, it's going to become a problem. Um, and yeah, so I try and limit what I don't do and that kind of thing like I'm always saying I want like a different job or I want to find like what I want to do properly with my life yeah um, but that would involve learning learning and doing new things yeah um, and that is stuff that I am not comfortable doing so it's it's kind of a, a difficult one but like just to keep myself from 
meltdowns or stressing out like my one of my main ones is to stick to like what you know heavily to my routines and do things that i already am almost like an expert in doing yeah yeah no i i get that i get the stress of not knowing because i get frustrated when i don't learn stuff but equally like for me it's a weird once i've decided i want to know that's kind of it then there's no like actually you're never gonna get this just leave it it's a no i i've decided i want to know so i will pursue this until i've got it um which sounds like it would be a good thing but it's usually not because usually it's i like i never have the desire to i don't know like learn quantum physics you know like never it's never anything big it's always just a little thing that is never gonna be of any use in life and i don't know where it comes from either because it will come from nowhere it won't be a this will benefit me or like oh this will help me progress in my job if i learn this it's never anything like that it's just i'll be sat at home and think actually like today i'm gonna learn how to do a rubik's cube or like today i'm gonna i'm gonna learn about the rainforest in this place and what's going on with that or like at one point i was like i'm gonna learn all of the uh salem witch trials that was a thing for me for like a week where i just learned the names of all these women that were but like it never never did me any good it's just a weird it's a weird thing i have yeah no i have comfort in in what i know it's like um i'm not a big fan of watching even though i've watched a lot of films yeah i'm not a big fan of watching films i don't know what they're about or yeah what they are i think it's one of the reasons i stick to like horror films and that kind of thing because you kind of know what you're going to get yeah um but if someone tries to get me to watch something that I'm like, oh, I don't normally watch that kind of thing. I get all like edgy and weird and like, uh, no. no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not into that. I don't want to watch that. Like, I'm not into it. It's not going to happen. Um, like, I remember, that's it, and that's like, so when I get home or when I'm off, I tend to watch stuff that I've seen before. Yeah. Or um, obviously, like at the moment, I'm, I'm playing the same video game. I've been playing the same video game for months now. Yeah. Um, and at no point have I gone, oh, I should really play something else. I've bought other games to play. Yeah, I know. But then I go to play them and I'm like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no I'm not ready for I'm not ready for change just yet. <laughs> um, so I won't do it. And it's the same with films. Like someone will go, oh, should we watch this film? And I'm like, oh, yeah, what is it? And they tell me and I'm like, is that a horror film? And they're like, no. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. And then if they tell me the name of it and I haven't heard of it before, I'm just like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this is not going to happen. I'm not going to watch it because I just get weird. I just, I don't want to. Like, I start getting like really like defensive and like, we're not watching it. It's yeah. not happening. You're not putting it on, not in here. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that right now. That's not on. Um, and yeah, a weird one is to just do stuff that I've uh, done over and over again. Like, um, there's that TV series I'm watching at the moment that like, it's... And I said it was like it's nine seasons and like twenty five episodes yeah. a season, um, but I have no problem with that just being on all the time. Like even though at this point now I think I'm on like season four and I've only been watching it for like two weeks <laughs> or whatever. Like it's it's one of those things I'll come home from having dinner or doing something where you know I'm doing it'll be that. Yeah. So I'll be watching that one series. Yeah. But if I come home and want to play a game, it'll be that one game. Um, and I can't deviate from that because yeah. it'll make me like a bit oh i get like weird if i start watching something else i say like i just turn telly on and there's something on that i'm actually finding myself interested in um i'm aware of the fact that the thing i'm watching is not the thing i should be watching <laughs> so i start getting all like panicky and weird i just start thinking like oh, i'm wasting time if i don't put the thing on that i normally watch now then like it's already like I'm going to go to bed in an hour and I still haven't watched any of it yet. And I said I was going to watch some before I go to bed tonight and I haven't watched it yet. And I've only got like 45 minutes now. How can I get like one episode in? And I thought I was going to watch at least three. And then I start getting like bizarre like that. I was like, why am I still watching this thing that I don't even know what it is? Even though the reason I'm watching it is because I'm into it. Um, my Every now and then my, my head will just sort of go like, we should be watching the other thing. It's that time. We should be watching that should be on already. Like, why have we not changed channel yet? Um... So yeah, I find like if I'm watching the thing that I'm supposed to be watching, no weird ruminations, no odd thoughts, no thinking about my day or if I'm playing the game that I always play. Yeah. It doesn't, I don't have like any bad things, but say I started playing something else. You'd be thinking. I'd be thinking like now I'm playing this. Have I got time for the other one? I should be playing the other one. And I start (laughs) getting like my like 
burger thoughts suddenly yeah. start happening. So yeah, I found that like sticking to what I know is a big coping mechanism for me. It stops me from ruminating or like freaking out or that kind of thing because I haven't changed what I know I'm going to be doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I found that like, yeah, doing that when I get home and doing the things that I always do is a good is a good way of like just staying calm. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like literally something as simple as putting something else on makes me get a bit like, oh. It's so interesting. It's interesting because, yeah, I don't watch TV unless I'm with you. When I'm with you, I find it fine. Like, I'm happy to watch whatever we're watching. But when I'm at home, I I think if I'm just sat on my own watching TV, it, nothing, I'm just going to end up ruminating because I don't focus. It's weird that if I'm, yeah, if I am with you or with someone, I can sit and watch TV without focusing on other things but if i'm on my own i just can't i can't hold focus for long enough like people will do it all the time where they'll go oh you should watch this or you should give this a go or if you liked that series which i did you should try watching this one and i always think like yeah i'll do that but i can't i if i'm on my own i just can't do it i i try and i think about it but i just yeah i have no it's weird it's a weird thing i just I don't watch TV if I'm on my own. I find it too strange. But yeah. like, if if you give me a book, I'll read it. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Well, it's been an hour. I'm not sure whether the coping mechanism thing. I feel like now that we've, I actually know what you meant or what we were talking about, that it might be a week. Like by the time we record the next one, I might have thought of more. So I think that coping yeah. mechanisms is a big one. And with this first episode, it's kind of just trying to get me to realise what we're talking about. Because yeah. I realise that they're, they are everywhere, but I felt like they crossed over into episodes we've already done. Yeah, like I was trying to talk about things that I haven't already talked about because I think, yeah, they the just the nature of being on the spectrum, it's almost like everything you do in life (laughs) not everything but a lot of your day-to-day things are actually coping mechanisms whether you you realize it or not if you go to the episode so i would say because i looked at the episodes we've done uh routines blending in and sensory are all episodes about coping mechanisms um so yeah i was when we started talking about it today i kind of figured wait a minute we've covered this stuff before um so there is there is probably loads of them and i'll probably think of new ones uh now that i'm thinking about it this week but i feel like they've they've kind of popped up through other episodes yeah I i'm think... not sure but i guess people that are listening to this and are writing on our facebook page uh i think they're asking for what we do to cope with the day and day stuff um i think like one of the people that private messaged us was asking for like tips or techniques yeah. or that kind of thing which i guess uh, it's unique to whoever it is. So yeah. you have to know what your triggers are and what the things are that stress you out and then what you do to deal with them. Because you must deal with them, I suppose, to have like a normal, not normal, but like to be able to get through the day. Because if you didn't have coping mechanisms, you'd just be meltdown in, ruminating and not be able to leave the yeah. house, which I know there is there is a few people that are like that, but... I think everybody's got their own, but I don't think there's like set ones you can teach yourself. What I've kind of realized, apart from like the sensory episode we did where we can talk about things you do to relax if you're sensory, is to know what sensory stuff is good for you. Like if you're someone that finds light soothing or if you find like uh, smell soothing, it's just to find the one that calms you down Yeah, and to find a way to use it so you can cope with stress and that kind of thing. But it sounds like a lot of coping mechanisms, especially with me. Um, I've taught myself without realizing I did. So I've kind of just at some point made them up over time without realizing that that's what I've done. Yeah. Um, and I think so. I can't, we can't really give pointers to people, I suppose, because it's the things that make because obviously, like you said, you learning new stuff is a good thing for you and is a coping mechanism, whereas me learning new stuff is the complete opposite. Yeah. Um, so I think you've got to know what your triggers are and what the things are that make you upset or, you know, yeah. make things hard for you. 
and then find your own coping mechanism to so just pinpoint the exact thing so find out what is the source of whatever and then think of a way to counteract that and then that in itself is your coping mechanism but i guess you have to make your own i don't think there's yeah like a, you do i don't think there's like a universal um this is what works for people you couldn't get like a book on autistic coping mechanisms no. because they're different for everyone like you and your socks and me and the way I like dress and stuff like I couldn't say to you dress like pick your outfits yeah and dress a certain way everything you do and you'll feel much better yeah because that's not going to work for you yeah like I think um especially when it first got suggested to me that I was on the spectrum I think you were talking about um horror films and how that helped you and I tried to get into films not necessarily horror um because i don't really have a genre of film that i like at all um so i just tried watching different types of films and i think just from trying that i realized that i'm i just don't really like films like i do but i don't yeah and i like i was sitting there realizing that that just wasn't for me it wasn't making me feel good i think yeah you've just got to kind of feel it out but I, I think this episode was more of a, now we've done it, it was probably more of a personal insight into a, what we're like. Yeah. Because like you say, coping mechanism is going to be different for everyone. But that was more just a, I guess, what what we do, what yeah. suits us. Yeah. Yes. Okay then, okay. that is it for others a week thank you for listening yeah thanks thank, for listening thank uh, you for joining the group thank you for talking yeah there's loads of people in the group now uh yeah and uh thanks for liking the page we've got a uh presence on twitter now as well uh so that seems to go well my mom is thank you julie is managing that for us because <laughs> i still don't understand how twitter works but she's doing that so anybody that's on twitter we're on there uh you can feel free to do whatever you do on twitter follow that kind of thing yes um but that's being looked after so that seems to be coming along in our facebook group seems to be getting bigger all the time yeah and we do we do the talking in the facebook group so yeah, yeah uh, thank you just, for all the messaging just look for them asperger's on facebook and you'll find us but yeah that's it for this week bye